Hi friends, I am Erin from Erin Whalen Online, and this is a podcast about my family's homesteading journey. From an urban farm in Washington State to 120 acres in Tennessee, this is our journey of how we got to where we are and how we're building our homestead from the ground up. Well, hello friends, and welcome to another episode of Homestead Journey. I am coming to you guys, well, it's gonna come out Wednesday, but I am here tonight, Monday night at 8.30 because we have had roofers on our house all day long and I could not record because it was like there were elephants on my roof. Um, so if you followed along on this podcast from the very beginning, we moved from our house in Washington here to Tennessee. We bought our 100-year-old farmhouse that has been a lot more work than we anticipated, but we kind of walked into it knowing that there was hidden <laughs> um, hidden surprises behind every wall. And I'm being literal. <laughs> There's, um, if you don't laugh, sometimes you cry. And I try to maintain positivity through this whole process. We are honestly like, so we've been talking because a lot of the, buying this house was set in motion about this time last year. Our official move-in date was April 7th. And um, today we're talking about chickens, by the way. I'm just like... <laughs> I'm giving you a recap on the day and just kind of an update, I guess, of our journey here. And um, in some ways, we're for, we're maybe further, we are further along in some things than we anticipated a year. And I'll have to do like a year update episode. Um, but in other ways, I, I kind of wish we were further along. But yet I get messages all the time on Instagram. Erin Whalen online, you should follow me there. I'm in stories all day long. Um, but some people message me they're like, I can't believe you've only been there a year. You guys have accomplished so much. And some days I feel that and other days I just feel like we're never going to get ahead. And uh, so it's just, it's emotional whiplash back and forth. And um, this roof, we got it um, with an insurance claim because we had really bad hail damage about, I think a little bit over a month ago now. And it damaged this, the north side of our house and the roof. Um, I think I mentioned that in previous podcasts as well. Well, so we got the insurance claim. We have the roof. He got up there. There was way more rot and damage than we had anticipated because of just ill-keptness of this house, which we've known about for years and years, and layers on the roof that and holes. And we had someone almost fall the whole way through today, and Evelyn's room now doesn't have some sheetrock that we have to repair. It has just been, oh, you guys, like I don't want to ever um, – discourage someone from doing what we did because I wouldn't have it any other way. But yet, had we known what was involved, we probably wouldn't have done it. It's kind of one of those catch-22s where we're glad we didn't know because if we did, we would have totally freaked out and not done it. And now we're in it and that's just, it is how it is. So um, yeah, today has been a Monday. We have discovered more gems and things about our house, but she is getting fixed slowly but surely and we're getting a beautiful new roof. Um, we're doing a black five tab, I believe is what it's called. And it was metal before that and then three tab two times before that. <laughs> so um, that we know of. And it's gonna be beautiful. And I'm really excited about it. And it'll just be another section of our house that's fixed and we can mark off our uh, to-do list. So that's exciting. But today, uh, my sister was like, Erin, you should do an episode on um, chickens, I kind of am known to those who've been following me for a while as a chicken lady. Um, my, I proudly wear that badge because my grandmother was what a lot of people call the chicken lady, even though she had chickens, 
um, peacocks, ducks, emus, rheas, guineas, like anything with feathers at some point in time, like ostrich, she's pretty much, she owned them all. And so I come by this extremely naturally. Um, my, she loved them. I loved them. It was an inherited thing. We grew up with chickens with my parents on our farm. And so um, I have had them in my life forever, for as long as I have been on this lovely green earth. And so I know a thing or two about chickens and they are not complicated. But at the same time, there are things that you need to know going into it to be prepared because we like to be prepared. Um, we don't always like surprises around every corner. That's not always enjoyable. Sometimes we want to just know how things are going to go. And with all animals, that's not completely possible. But you can get a really good sense of what to expect and how to prepare um, and have some things on hand so that you know how to combat issues when they arise. Because with any living thing, if you have a child, if you have an animal, you're, you know that living things, they get issues. <laughs> and so um, chickens are no different. Um, they're not extremely intelligent. They do dumb things. They like to die. Um, and so just, just all these things that we're going to need to know, jumping right in. So let's do that. Let's jump right in. So I got, I've had questions over the years that get asked over and over very commonly. Um, I reached on Instagram the other day with a question box or today earlier and asked, and I already got some questions through there. So I've got some sticky notes out here and we're just going to kind of go through them. I hope I can get through all this in one episode. If not, we'll do two. It's a fun subject, you guys. Let's just dig right in. So obviously we need to purchase our baby chickens, but before we even purchase, let's just stand in our backyard or on our property and let's just do some surveying. And if you are in the city, let's maybe contact or look up the city ordinances and laws or rules. Um, it's so funny, and when where we grew up at Deer Park, the city of Deer Park, if you were in the city, which was a rural town at the time, you couldn't have chickens in the city of Deer Park. So weird. But if you went to Spokane, which was the large city, I, we, you could have chickens there. There was, you could have so many animals per square feet. And I maxed that and like went over. But I was nice to my neighbors. We kept things very clean, as least stinky as possible. And so I never had issues. I never was reported, but I know friends and family who have been. Um, and so these are just things to be aware of. You don't want to, you know, Chickens at the beginning is an investment, mostly because of the house that you have to purchase for them. You have to make an outdoor enclosure. And so there is some upfront cost that you need to be aware of. And before we spend $1,000 on this beautiful hutch that you have and, you know, the run and you buy the chickens and you put them out there, let's make sure that you don't get in trouble and have to remove everything because that's just a lot of heartbreak that we want to avoid. I know a lot of people who, if they can't have chickens at their house, they um, maybe pay to have their chickens put at their friend's house house and then they share eggs or there's lots of different make ways to make it work if you can't have them physically at your place but you do need someone wherever you place them that can have eyes on them daily fresh water daily you know all the things living animals and people and things need you know and honestly, a quick type in of whatever your city you're in and chickens or something should pop up some pretty easy results so you can know um, if you yeah, let's just let's just leave it at that. So now we know we can or cannot have chickens. Very exciting. We move on to phase two. Um, this is purchasing said birds. Um, now, when you purchase them, there is some thought that needs to go into it. You know, the first few times I purchased, well, most of the times I purchased them, I would go to North 40, um, which is our local feed store, all that kind of jazz here in 
Tennessee, we have tractor supply, but they're very similar. Um, and so we went in there and we come spring, they just have tons of different kinds and they are very good with labeling them and saying like their egg output, what they do and do not need it, kind of their temperament, if they're like more aggressive or a calmer bird and just kind of the general facts about them. Now don't get too hung up on breeds is what I want to say. Don't like all chickens are going to lay pretty decently the first year, most of them. And then the second year they're going to lay okay. And then it's going to be a pretty sharp decline after that. Um, older ladies, they just don't lay as much. Now I've had ladies who were laying up to like eight or nine years old. Now they were maybe only laying one or two eggs at a time. They might have been that old. They were really old. They came from my grandma. I had them for years. It was around that age. Um, some chickens don't die. Other chickens you look at them wrong and they just keel over. So, um, but really good breeds to look. And most of these breeds are gonna be the ones that are available at your local feed stores because most often they're gonna carry the kind that has the best egg production because they know when people come in, it's either meat birds or eggs. And so you're gonna buy one or the other. Now there is certain breeds like silkies and silkies, they're beautiful, they're lovely. You, They cannot sex them generally. So you don't know if you're gonna get males or females. Definitely in town, do not get boys. And chickens are loud, so just know that too going going about it. Even in town, even when, you know, you can have chickens, you also can irritate your neighbors, even with having chickens. I would share my eggs a lot with my neighbors. I would have enough chickens where I could give them a dozen or so um, to kind of appease them a little bit. But um, chickens are noisy, and in the, sum, in the spring months, they can get stinky. Like, even though you're cleaning, even though you're trying to keep up on things, there is times of the year where they do, they're a little bit more smelly, and so you just have to be aware of that as well. But um, probably the best breeds are going to be Buff or Orpingtons, Orpingtons in general. Um, they're very fluffy. They come in lots of different colors. There's the Rhode Island Reds. The Rhode Islands lay about 300 eggs per year. The Orpingtons, 200 to 280. There's kind of a wide range there. Leghorns have really good eggs. They're normally white. Those are 300, 320 eggs per year. Um, Sussexes, those are the white um, and black neck and tail, white with like a black neck and tail. And those ones are have about 250. There's a Plymouth Rocks, which are like the salt and pepper kind of colored ones. Those ones are 200. Those ones are very docile, really nice. Um, those ones are very kind chickens. Um, the Orpingtons are really kind too. Easter eggers, those also have really good egg production. So, I mean, anytime you look, so I've also purchased from McMurray Hatchery, which is another really reputable source for purchasing. I believe they grow all their chickens in Ohio. Um, and they like you to order, I think, honestly, a few months in advance so they know how many in spring, how many different eggs they need and, and all that jazz. Um, and so when you go through all that, it's going to tell you pretty much everything you need to know. Um, and so just go with your heart <laughs> go with what's pretty, go with what you like. Um, but don't, this is probably the biggest thing that I see people doing wrong is you probably purchase too many at the beginning um, because you have to think you need to, to keep your production of your eggs good. You need to be adding hens yearly because your older lady's production is gonna decline and so you're gonna to need to constantly be adding new ones into the flock so that your egg production stays pretty steady. So the first, I mean, for a family of four, I would probably say the first year, get five or six if you can. And then, um, and then slowly every year, get about three more. Now, some are gonna die <laughs> throughout that year and that's just what's going to happen you lose ladies 
um, just randomly for different things. Um, <clears throat> and then also you have to decide at some point in time going into this, are you going to keep the older ladies whose production are not is not as good or are you going to cull them, which means kill and butcher them and either I mean, butchering would be ideal as far as like consumption, usually because you, you don't want to waste meat. This could maybe ruffle a few feathers, no pun intended, kind of. Um, anyhow, so you just have to keep that in mind. Like, what are you going to do with the older ladies? Because are you going to have a flock one day that you have 12, 15, 20, and, and half your ladies aren't really laying that much? And so, you know, this is not something you need to be concerned about the first even three or four years of having chickens. But after four or five, do you need to start thinning the herd a little bit so that you can have more? And if they're going to be pets and you're going to love them until the day you die, then you just need to be aware that at some point in time, you're not going to be able to purchase as many because you're going to have a pretty heavy flock and you're just going to have to be okay with the eggs that you're getting. So those are just kind of things to consider. So definitely anticipate probably at least three to four. And I say at least three to four because if one dies, you don't want to ever get two. Basically, if any kind of feathered animal, geese too, ducks. Ducks really love companions. Um, it's best to at least have three just in case one dies. You don't want one to be all by itself, especially if there's a different age gap from the other chickens. There is a pecking order with chickens. The older ones do kind of bash the little ones a little bit as you introduce them. They have to like find their new order of things. And so they need a buddy. And so we need to make sure when we're purchasing goats, you know, any kind, anything like that, it's the same deal. They work better in groups. And so just three to four is a pretty standard good number for what you're going to need to purchase every year continually from that point on. Okay, once you get the little babies home, um, we, so the last ones we got were in the mail and they actually got lost in the mail for like a day. It was really sad. One of them ended up, they were all alive when I opened them up, but one of them ended up passing away very shortly after we got it, which was really, really sad. It was, there was just an issue with the post office and they, they sent them to the wrong post office. And I don't think this happens very often. Like my story seemed very not normal. And so I haven't, I went ahead and I ordered guineas later on, but it was from a different company because McMurray did not have guineas at that point in time. So, and that delivery was, I ordered it and then they let me know the day it shipped. Cause usually they order, you order it and it's like a month or so, depending on when the, the hatch dates are. So know that like you can't, if you're going to jump on McMurray Hatchery and you expect your chickens next week, that's usually not going to happen. There's going to be certain ones that come available at certain times. And so you're going to need to plan ahead and go onto their site, or you can just wait for the feed store, which every week the feed store has different ones. in. you just don't know some weeks they have ducks. One time mine even had guineas in there, which is, I had never seen that before. It's just kind of a surprise. Every shipment, you just don't know what they're going to get. So, um, there are lots of different ways to do it. Now, I get a lot of questions, too, on how to raise the babies. So generally, most people who are doing this don't have, like, a huge barn that's heated that they can keep their babies in. Because um, even though they have a heat lamp, you need a heated space for them to be in besides just the lamp because it's it can get cold these times. And they cannot get cold. Baby chicks cannot get cold. <laughs> and so you need the heat lamp in there. Now, a lot of times nowadays they have these little, I don't even know what it's called, but it's like, it's like this um, on legs and they, and you can adjust the height and it's just like it radiates, radiates heat down onto the babies. They can kind of go underneath it. Um, I guess kind of like representing the mother and going under the mother. So instinctual. Um, I've never done that. I always just on the heat lamp. Honestly, that probably seems, the heat lamp seems less safe. I don't generally like heat lamps. I never put heat lamps in my chicken coop, but we'll get to that 
in a minute. Um, and so you're, we, this is going to seem really weird and maybe gross to some people, but we have this oval, um, this, uh, what's it called? Like an oval galvanized container. And it actually has like a plastic, so it's probably about a yard deep, so about 36 inches deep, and it has this little wheel um, base that it, it sets into. And so it could be like a trough, basically. It's kind of like an oval horse trough, but it's on this wheel base, and it has this little plastic insert that goes into it, and it and it, um, the insert only goes about 12 inches deep, and it's to hold drinks. <laughs> so this insert you put into this galvanized base, it's on wheels, and it's basically a drink holder and we got it years ago um, from a prop in a store and um, for for beer I think it was like they were selling beer and it was like one of those props they put on the end aisle and we use that for drinks for parties <laughs> and when it's not party season and it's baby chick season I use it for my baby chicks obviously I bleach in between but um, the baby chicks at the beginning we put in a little plastic hold it's only about 12 inches deep so so we can walk up to them they're waist height they're above the um, predators in our house which would be our cats um, and then I keep a wire cover over the top. So a mesh wire cover over the top. They have a heat lamp that sits on top of the mesh cover and they're underneath there in their straw. You don't want to use cedar chips with chicken. Cedar can cause respiratory issues in baby chicks especially. I've done it in my chicken coop a few times because I accidentally got the wrong shavings. I prefer shavings generally over straw. I find it less messy and easier to clean. Um, but for babies, just either pine chips or straw is fine. Um, and they have like, they have shavings that are for chip, for chicks. Um, and so I will put them in that container and after about, chicks grow fast. So after about two or so weeks, they're starting to like bounce up and they need more space and they're jumping around. And so I remove the plastic um, holder and I just put them down deep into the bottom of the galvanized bin. So we're leaning over to check on them and everything. And I still keep the wire over the top because they do start to try to fly at a certain point. And also again, so the birds don't, or the birds, the cats don't come down and get them, but they are in my house. I have always had them in my house with the heat lamp. We watch over them. Um, at the beginning, you only have to clean them once every couple days. Later on, depending on how many you have in there and everything, it gets stinky quick. And so I'm cleaning every day. Every day I'm taking like a litter box scoop and a bag and I'm getting in there and I'm taking the shavings out of one side, putting down new shavings. They all run to that side, then I do the other side and so on and so forth. Um, and so generally I probably, the first year when you have them and if you have the coop and everything all set up outside, you can put them out there earlier. But when you have other established chickens in the coop and you introduce your little guys, they need to be a bit beefier and a bit older to put up with the crap that the older ladies are going to give them because they're going to fight. I've had chickens. I even had a chicken one time die on introducing to the other chickens. They scared it. It got caught in something and hung itself. I'm not joking when I say chickens find odd ways to die. And sometimes there's just nothing that you can do about it. And it just is how it is. Other times you kind of kick yourself and wish you would change something, but that's called farming. And you adapt and you change as you can. And if you don't start and try, then you'll never know. So don't let people beat you up or anything if accidents happen because accidents happen when you're in charge of other lives. Sometimes accident happens and it sucks, but anyone who has kids or anything else knows that you can't be perfect. Um, and so there is an introductory phase where I would 
kind of, if you have the room and you have older hens, I put like a partial wall between the two and I allow them to kind of see each other for a few days. And then I slowly um, put them together. A lot of times people say, bring them in at night, the babies where it, when it's dark, have your inside of your coop dark, put the babies in there. And when the light comes on, um, when the sun rises, excuse me, um, they see each other and they were already there and they're just like, okay, cool. You're, we're friends now. Um, but there still will always be, um, some fighting at the beginning. So just know that going in, but I would say probably about a three, three to, I don't know, two and a half to three months is probably a pretty ideal time to try to start introducing them into the rest of the flock. Um, and if they don't do good and you have some issues, pull them back, keep them in your house for a little bit longer. But again, they do get stinkier. Things get dusty in your house around them because they're flopping their feathers and they're moving things around. And so you want them out as quickly as possible. So, um, just know it is kind of an investment of time and your sanity when you have baby chickens in the house. They're cute for the first two weeks and then it gets annoying. Um, after that, we want to make sure that we have a decent coop for them. So I know it is so tempting that all the feed stores have, I walked in today, I was getting cat food and I walked in and there was all these tiny little chicken coops that you could just buy and assemble at your house. And you know what, maybe that will work for a little bit, but I can guarantee you those houses, they are not big enough. And most people are not just gonna have two to three chickens. So my rule of thumb here is purchase a bigger coop than you think that you will need. Because I guarantee you, you are wrong. <laughs> and you will need more than what you're anticipating at the beginning. So Travis and I went on Etsy, we bought, we bought coop plans for our first coop was actually a converted dog house. So we got a dog house for a really large dog. We put it on stilts, we made like three nesting boxes in the back and an interior area, and then we made an outdoor area. And we had about two to three of that at a time. And I did even overcrowd that at some points in time where we probably had like five or so, and that was pushing it. But it was built pretty sturdy because it was a dog house, and so it was pretty beefy. These new ones that I see like the walls are not thick they are not made well and they were expensive I think one of my saw today was like a thousand dollars and Travis and I built our last coop for maybe a little bit over that but it was double the size and way more secure so I would honestly look into local builders. If you know anyone, I would reach out on a local page. Hey, does anyone make chicken coops? A lot of people do that as a side job. And anything that you're gonna find that someone locally makes is probably gonna be way better than what you're gonna be able to purchase from North 40. Or if you're handy or your husband's handy or you know someone, commission someone to build you a coop um, and grab some plans off of Etsy. They have tons of different kinds. When you make your coop, you really do want to make it predator-proof. I had more of a problem in town with predators than I have had so far living in the country or that we even lived in the, when we lived in the country with my parents. Um, the predators, the raccoons in town were just wild. Now granted we lived kind of on the edge of town and there was a huge river that ran through so that brought a lot of wildlife up through the basin there and up to where we lived. But raccoons have been at absolutely every house I've ever been at and they had, they are vicious. I know everyone says raccoons are so cute and oh this and that. Well, they are vicious nasty chicken eaters and they will kill them they get they get pretty brazen truthfully so you just have to really really be careful so my first thing is definitely make sure when you make your exterior um your exterior enclosure the one that when they go out from the inside go to the outside that it is 
submerged that you have the netting and don't buy that flimsy little chicken wire where it's like the octagon chicken wire because a raccoon can cut through that with their little sharp teeth or their claws. Dogs can get into it fairly easily. It's just a disaster. Get the nice like, um, was it rectangle, really thick fencing wire. I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Like the round, it comes in like the rounds. It's just, it's so much better than just the traditional chicken wire. And it's going to last a lot longer. And through this chicken coop that we made, we put it down into the ground about a foot and concreted around the whole dang thing. And then we concreted the doorways so that they can't, nothing can dig under the doorways. And even then, you guys, even then, I still lock them in at night. We... I don't trust any of those like um, the solar powered door shutters for the interior of the coop where the sun goes down and it shuts your door for you and opens up in the daytime because if there's storms or different things, I've heard stories about chickens getting let out or the door jamming and not shutting and then you lose your flock. So if you're not, truthfully to me, oh my gosh, I paused for a minute because all of a sudden I heard this huge noise outside and it was torrentially downpouring and I was not expecting rain and it threw me for a loop. Um, what I was saying. Truthfully, if you are not willing to go out every morning and let your chickens out and go out every night and tuck them in, I don't know that you should have chickens. Uh, do I do that? I don't. I delegate that to my children now. But before they were at the age where they were doing chores, I would go out there and I would literally tuck them in every night and open up the door every morning because every person that I know of who does not shut the door loses their chickens. A predator comes and gets them at some point. It somehow makes its way in there. They're just sneaky and you will lose your birds. I remember one morning I was getting ready to help my mom at her wedding venue and I was upstairs in our house and our neighbors had chickens and I looked over and uh, it was when we just moved in. Those neighbors moved out shortly after. But, um, or no, no, it was just when the new neighbors over there had moved in. It was like six o'clock in the morning and I didn't even know them yet. And I looked out my bedroom window and I could see white chicken feathers and I could hear them screaming. And they were just being thrown all over the place and I couldn't see what was doing it, but I literally raced over to my neighbor's door and I knocked on it and I could hear them go, who is that early in the morning? And I felt so bad, but I'm like standing at their door dancing. Like I just couldn't wait for someone to open up the door and they opened it up and I was like, there is something in your backyard attacking your chickens. I'm like, your chickens right now are being attacked. And they're like, oh, thank you. And they like slammed the door and went back there. I think it killed two or three of the chickens and there was feathers everywhere. By the time they got back there, it, the thing has gone. I, I think it was either a skunk, which are predators to chickens, skunks, raccoons, possums, foxes, snakes, birds of prey. Those are all things that you have to be mindful and watch out for with chickens, um, coyotes. But obviously most of these things are going to be avoidable if you lock your chickens in at night. And now I'm talking dusk, especially to come fall. So another thing that maybe just because I've been farms all my life, but come fall, animals of prey get more aggressive because they can sense the seasons changing. They know food is going to be short. And so come fall, they kill. They just get braver. They come in and things that they would leave. I've seen chicken or um, raccoons play with cats and their best buds and it's spring or summer and everything's fine. And then fall comes and they kill them and they eat them. <laughs> raccoons 
I remember walking in when I was little, we had a raccoon that my dad finally got, but I would walk in in the mornings if we hadn't shut the coop door and they're just dead chickens and they, raccoons are vicious. They slit them open, spill out their guts. Sorry guys, if you have children around, warning. Um, and they eat some of them. Sometimes they eat a lot of them. Sometimes they don't. They're so wasteful and they're so messy and it's so disgusting and they will not learn. So you either catch them, remove them, kill them, or those are really your only two options or lock your chickens in. Um, so just know that per the season two animals, predators are going to act a little bit differently, but I always as well have a, so I don't just do an exterior closure on the outdoors. I also cover the top. And now the top doesn't, I mean, I did the same. We have a roof now over the top just because in Tennessee, it's super muddy here. We have a big, long rainy season. And even in Washington, we did too. And I had half of the, um, half of the outdoor area covered. And you know what? It's nice in the summertime too, because then it gives them shade. They're out of the sun. Chickens are really more susceptible to heat than, than cold. And so it is nice to, you need to provide them shade in the summertime. And so and now my cats are fighting. If you hear that, <laughs> sorry, you guys life, life on the farm. Okay. Hold on. So we just have galvanized tin over the top. We, um, we put some beams obviously crossed as a port. We put the tin on the top um, and then we had half of it exposed. And in this one, we just did a, t a roof, uh, what's it called? Like a, like a traditional house roof with a top and then two sides. At our old house, we did it more like a lean-to where we just started higher on one side and went um, a lower grade on the other so the snow or the rain or whatever would go off. But um, I cover the whole top because one, raccoons climb up and they'll just jump right over into the exterior of the coop. And again, they get braver throughout the year. So things they wouldn't do in spring and it's like we – one time in the fall, we had the ducks and the chickens out in the backyard at our first house and it was still light out. And so we, I didn't put them away because we had never had a problem with when it was, it was dusk, but like it was still visible. You could still see it very far away. It wasn't dark by any stretch of the means. And the dog was barking at the back door and I thought he was just barking at the birds because he loved the chickens and liked, or she loved the chickens and liked to play. Well, she was literally watching a raccoon kill my duck. And then the, the raccoon tried to take it up the tree at the neighbor's house. And I still remember it. It was Frankie. We had Lucy and Frankie and I was mortified. I watched him carry Frankie um, under the fence into the neighbor's yard. I raced into the neighbor's yard. He tried to carry up the tree and I was yelling at this raccoon to drop my duck. I was screaming. My husband was trying to chase me and he was going, honey, honey, someone's going to call the cops. Someone's going to think someone's dying. Like you need to calm down. And I remember he dropped my duck and I just sat in my neighbor's yard holding my little duck and just crying. And it was the worst. And it had never happened when it was still light out. And so at that point in time, obviously after that, if it, by about four o'clock at night, I was putting them in there, even though it was still light for another hour, cause I was not taking any chances anytime still. Like even now I let my chickens free range a ton. We have 120 acres. We have about two acres of lawn. And so I let them out in the morning if I'm going to be home and they range around the whole yard. Um, and I'm not too concerned, but if we leave, 
I always put them back in just because I don't, you know, we have neighboring dogs. If somebody was to get out and I wasn't here, I've seen dogs take down whole flocks before my dogs grow up with the chickens. I believe that if you're going to have a dog with ant with chickens and you're going to be able to trust them, they have to grow up from a puppy being around those chickens and trained that way. I've never seen a dog be able to adjust to having chickens besides being born with the birds. And so all my dogs have been born when we've had birds. And so we've never had an issue training from when they were little. I've never had one of my dogs kill a bird. But if your dog has not grown up with birds, it's gonna be a natural instinct for them to just run over and attack. And no matter how much you tell that dog no, I just, I have a hard time believing that that can change. So just know that your dogs or someone else's dogs are also predators as well. So I always pin them in. I think that's the biggest thing is people get lazy and they just, it hasn't happened in a while or they don't see predators and so they let their guard down or they're tired that night. They don't want to go and shut the interior door or they... <laughs> Something like that's going to happen, and, th and that's the time you're going to lose your bird. Or maybe you do it a few times and it doesn't happen, and you get brazen and think, okay, we're fine, and then something will kill your birds. Like, it's a guarantee if you don't shut that coop door nightly and let them out in the morning. And it's a commitment because it in the day, like, I open it up at dawn. That's when they should go out. So in the summertime, dawn's like 4.50, 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm out there laying the birds out. At nighttime, we shut them into the exterior coop um, about a little bit before dusk, and then we let them play around in there. And then at dark, we go back out again, and we shut the interior door, and I latch it with a lock because um, <laughs> raccoons have little hands, and they can actually unlock things. So you have to make it a more of a complicated lock that they can't fiddle with and eventually open up. So... Some people might think I'm too extreme with the predator thing, but I have witnessed and experienced and heard stories and lived it my whole life. I've seen it multiple times. That's the biggest thing and issue that I see people is they just do not put enough effort into predator proofing and then you lose birds. If you want to get new birds, then I guess that's one way to get rid of them, but it can be traumatic, especially if you have young children who they're not just, you know, the egg-laying hens, they're their pets and they name them and like my daughter carries them, she still, she carries them around, they're her babies, like that's just how it is. So that's probably one of the biggest things. We are getting a little bit long in this episode, so honestly, I think I'm just going to shelve this for now and we're just going to talk about a few more things. Um, next one. Yeah, we'll just talk about a few more like odds and ends. And um, if you guys have any questions at this episode, after this episode and want me to address them in the next one, make sure to shoot me a message over on Instagram, Aaron underscore Waylon underscore online, E-R-Y-N, it pops right up. Um, that's the best way to reach me and have a chat. And so we can just kind of further dive into this and answer any other questions you guys have because um, I'm an open book and I love to talk about it because... Um, chickens are a great addition to the farm. They're a great learning experience for kids. They're um, wonderful if you want to do 4-H, but you're in town and you can't do goats or livestock or anything like that. You can do 4-H and take chickens to the show. So there's just so many opportunities that they allow you to have um, kind of the farm life if you're urban that you really couldn't get with any other animal. So we will um, pick this back up next week. Have a good weekend, guys, or rest of the week. <laughs>